Hey folks, Matt here. Just jumping in real quick to uh, give you a heads up on three things. One, sorry we're a bit late. Uh, it is the season of events, so sometimes we get a little busy and backed up, and things are going to be a bit late. Uh, second of all, you may hear a fan noise. I don't know if we mentioned it in the episode itself, but there is the noise of a fan. Really sorry. It's hot as balls up here sometimes, and if we don't have the fan on, we'd all melt. Uh, thirdly, we do spend some time talking, as we're wont to do, about Fallout. Ha! <laughs> you thought I was going to say beer, but what I meant, what I did say was Fallout. Um, and you may want, you may listen to this and wonder, hey, they just dropped a huge piece of Fallout news. They, <laughs> Bethesda just dropped a huge piece of Fallout news that there's going to be a new game, and you guys didn't mention it once. Well, you smarty pants, that's because this episode was recorded like days before that happened. So, uh, I'm sure Paul and I will do a deep dive on that announcement, and I know we both have thoughts that will eventually spew into the ether, but for now, uh, enjoy this uh, nice little window in time where we didn't know there was a new Fallout game coming. Uh, that's all. Enjoy uh, this episode of Drink This Pod featuring our brand new friend, Eric. Eric is lovely. We loved having him on. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy talking. My dad listens to this podcast, <laughs> Eric. Quality, you know, they always got a free talk policy. Guests speak honestly, no apology. Full spectrum from politics to comedy. Please listen responsibly. A few brew in, chance of animosity. A couple more brew when the crew getting wobbly. No matter this, the park place of podcast monopoly. Drink this podcast. I've never done like a top down like Cicerone tasting with this beer in front of me, but I would. I, I have some in my fridge. Maybe I'll do that with my roommate because I, I would be interested what I actually got out of it. Is your roommate a Cicerone? Uh, no. Uh, he so like I'm CBS and he also wants to be. Right. And then I'm studying for level two, so I'm basically teaching him for level one as a way to study for level two. Smart. <laughs> yeah. You should just teach him level two. Well, th that's basically what yeah. I'm doing. But, like, you need to have the same basic. But, yeah. like, so we're doing a lot of tasting stuff because that's all level two. But I'm Neat. like, you're going to need to know this anyways. So when we taste, I also give them all the academic like, right. background for the beer styles we're drinking. Move the mic into the microphone. Into the microphone. That's why I moved this way to begin with because I figured if I sat closer to in front of you. But maybe I maybe I'm I'd... doing a lot better these days. Yeah. He doesn't have to say that as often. That's as true. As he used to. It's usually the guest. Who does? Okay. Like, it, I can't see either of it, you if I look straight. It so really is a, a migration like this, where they get further and further away from the microphone. Yeah, into the microphone. Let's try um, Matt, how's the level on that? Um, talk again. Talk again. Yeah. Yeah. Closer. Pull it close to you. This is also why I changed the way he has it set up because I hate. I, I nah. No, I got gotcha. you. How about now? That's better. Yeah. Okay. All right, so... I'll just trust that you guys are here. It'll be like a faith-based exercise. We can all take off our glasses and put on blindfolds, <laughs> but I feel like that might be a little kinky. Right. It is really hot in here. It is. It's fucking warm. Uh, again, this is like literally less than half of how hot it would be if I didn't have those things uh, going. I believe you. You've I, been here in the summer. Yeah, you've been in my apartment in the summer. I, I have. You know I've also goes. been in your apartment in the winter. It's always hot there. Yeah, But in the, in the winter, it's tolerable. Eh, maybe for you. In the summer, it's fucking horrendous. You guys have AC. I don't get how that doesn't work. Because it, it's an oven. Like, you mm. can only put so many ice cubes in your oven before they just all melt. Yeah. It does get to a reasonable temperature in there, but I have to, like... That thing has to be going full tilt oh, like yeah. a Peterbilt. 
Mine is at the, the coldest setting and the highest power that I can possibly have it. With the fan, I can manage to, like, bounce the air around so much, sorry, that it <laughs> does okay in here. Right. <clears throat> what about you, Eric? Is your... Is your fucking domicile also a living oven? Uh, not really. I like I live in a whole house though, so there's like uh, more yeah. places for the heat to go. You, and you can also have windows on two sides yeah. of the yeah. of your building. Because yeah. so. this this building in particular was really badly designed because yeah. it's uh, they're all either east or west facing and they're north south laid out. So like, and they're they're staggered. So even if I were close enough with my neighbors across the hallway that we could be like, hey, let's both just open our balcony and. Um, hallway doors it wouldn't do anything because they're four feet over yeah so maybe i shouldn't talk about how much i hate my condo on air on the podcast because <laughs> you're afraid somebody might find out well no because i do want to sell the thing like eventually i want to get rid of it and maybe <laughs> there shouldn't be some like permanent record to be like what a fucking shithole this place is <laughs> it's so goddamn hot my neighbors are assholes again i think you're over like over considering how many people actually at least 50 people download this podcast i can't guarantee how many of them listen to it but at least 50 people yeah because you can press auto download new podcasts like that's a thing that's a button why are you coming here to try to hurt my feelings eric what the (laughs) fuck he insulted your uh av tech (laughs) skills uh yeah he he called me old he insulted my like Technical the ratio com- of equipment quality to my skill to run the fucking thing. <laughs> and uh, now he's telling us that our podcast sucks yeah. and nobody listens. Get the fuck and, out. Like, You're no longer welcome. <laughs> no, no. It's one thing if we say this podcast sucks. <laughs> it's another thing if your first thing on the podcast is nobody listens You've to this. You've been bugging us to come on here for like a year. I, I really enjoy the podcast. <laughs> I'm actually also going to go and Thanks, put on buddy. a t-shirt. I'm getting hot yeah. talking. All right, well, I'll, I'll introduce it's, Eric, and then... It, it's sure. fun being a part of something that you know so few people are a part of, so I had to finish that thought. Doesn't it make <laughs> it, like, this awesome little, like, it's 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 why hipsters are hipsters, because, like, for a hot minute, you're the only one that knows about this really great thing. Not, sorry, not that this is great. This is terrible. You should turn it <laughs> off right now. Um, Eric, welcome to the show. Hi. How's it going? Good. Um, Our good friend Eric is joining us today. I'm Matt. Sitting with me as always is Paul. Uh, Eric, did we meet through work, Eric? Is that how we first encountered each other? Yes, that is how. It okay, was. so Eric works at a retail, works for a local liquor retailer. Uh, however much more he wants to say is his business. Um, and Eric made me realize something, or like meeting Eric was the tip of the iceberg for a realization for me. Um, cause Eric, as just stated, has called me old and like, I call me old. So I, I understand that I'm not as young as I once was, but <laughs> meeting Eric and some of his other ilk in, in the beer industry kind of like made me realize that there's a, a generation behind me. There's, there's, um, there's a, uh, an up and co- I am now the, the vanguard of the old guard, the, the old guard. guard. Yeah. The old guard and the new guard there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your um, words, man. So Eric is Eric is a part of the 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 new guard of the beer industry, and for those of you who frequently complain that we don't talk about beer, we could talk a little bit about beer today. Uh, so Eric, what uh, what brought you to beer? Tell us a little bit about your beer journey. Oh boy. Um. So l- like Matt said, how old I, are you? I'm I'm 24. I'm 24 like, years old. <clears throat> fuck. Right. <laughs> Um, like Matt I w- said, I was 27 when we started this show. <laughs> well, <done>. all right. <laughs> uh, Place ourselves in time a right? little bit. Continue. So you're 24. Yeah. 
And um, like Matt said, I work for a local liquor retailer, and I probably yep. won't say much more than that. That's I would fine. not want my opinions to be misconstrued for the companies. And I primarily deal with beer as my role. Yeah, that's how. So Eric and I met this way. So like, I guess technically Eric is a customer of my, customer of mine. Full full disclosure. So. Yeah, full disclosure. Um, so Eric and I meet through work, and and talking to Erica, it's like really kind of reignited a passion for me a little bit of like fire for me uh because he is so young and enthusiastic and god bless him he just doesn't know what's coming um so you work <laughs> for a local a liquor retailer uh and is that your does that start your interest is it like job first interest second or did you come to that position uh as a beer nerd the first one so i like I get this question a lot in the industry, like, like where did you start with beer? Like, how is how is that your thing? Yeah. Um, but I didn't start with beer. Like, I like I started as like a part time job filling shelves, like doing that kind of right. stuff. Um, and when I did take an interest in the product that we were carrying, it was actually with wine, and then mm, spirits and cocktails, and then fortified wine, Ugh. and then um, like port. <laughs> okay, yeah, port yeah. and sherry are great. No, don't don't go near Matt with sherry. Sherry, yeah. I tried that once. It was disaster. It was awful. All right, all right. I and think it, Sherry's the bomb. But. It, it's great. Paul, can you adjust a little bit? Sorry. Yeah. But the um, less so with wine. Um, I'm actually starting to get a little bit more into like the wine process now. Right. Um, but more so with with spirits and fortified wine, the right. processes and the history behind certain styles. So really it's a technical thing me. for you. Then. It is a technical thing. And then. Like th- there was a need in the store that I moved to for somebody to take over the beer and really have a passion for it. And like I had been drinking craft at this point already. I right. I started. It's hard craft. not to now. Like if you on it, especially if you work in a liquor store. Like when I was working, um, like way back in the old store before it got torn down. Uh, like I was uh, by briefly. If, and if you don't want it, just roughly where was the old store? Uh, around the same place where I work now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would uh, like I would just grab. Like a three thirty mil innocent gun. This is ah yes, yeah. innocent gun. The gateway drug, the yeah. gateway craft beer this is for six, so many. Yeah, six years ago now, right? Now I'd walk home with it. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, when my alcohol tolerance increased, and my palate got a little bit better. I would uh, buy Le Fin de Mont instead from Unibrew uh, and drink it on the walk home, which was only a fifteen minute walk. But right. Um, but so like like. Uh, like my entrance into beer like was from the craft side uh when we were in high school we weren't really drinking a lot of beer right like that's not fair we would grab a 15 of lucky extra and drink it in the parking lot (laughs) but i don't really consider that to be like educated beer drinking well it's it's a different it's a different different uh, a different motivation behind consuming alcohol in the first place so so when when beer was like offered to me and there was like the position to to do that um i had already had like had the knowledge that i needed um, but it wasn't really until that point that I realized how deep the rabbit hole goes. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I was already well into like scotch and fortified wines at that point. And so, like you said, those technical details, I started really to pay attention to in right. beer and it opened up that whole door for me. Well, and starting in scotch and fortified wine, like it's a pretty aggressive flavor profile for a consumable, right? And like after that kind of getting tossed into that deep end, craft would be... Just a, a lyrical fairyland of delights and subtleties. I basically started with Imperial IPAs and Imperial Stouts and moved my way down, oh, right? Boy. Like, it wasn't until, like, quite recently, like, probably four or five months ago, that I started to understand how to appreciate a well-balanced lager. That's something I recently adopted the ability to do, too, and I'm kind of impressed with myself. I really had to push myself to, like, get outside my comfort zone where I would look at my list on, on the old untapped like IPA, IPA, IPA. 
sour, 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 IPA, IPA, sour, 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 IPA, IPA. Maybe I should branch out a little bit. I am also kicking the shit out of my own microphone. Um, you moved it there, man. I, this <laughs> fucking guy, right? Like, we've never on air disinvited somebody from coming on the show. I'm glad Eric that I have that on air. setting records all over the place. He's probably the youngest person to ever set foot on this podcast. Not technically, because I was younger than him when we started this. Uh, okay. Because right. I was 22. God 23? damn it. So what, what year did we start this in? 2012? 12, yeah. So I'd have six been years, 23 when we started this. I graduated high school that year. <laughs> so before you got here, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hang on. Before. before I know I won't get to you. But like, uh, so I used to, when I worked the Alley Cat booth, I would get guys that would come up to me and talk about like remembering the year that Alley Cat opened. I'm like, I was two. <laughs> That's <neat>. Continue. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to uh, help Eric localize where strat spirits is okay um and uh, i don't know why i didn't think to do this sooner but it's like a half a block over from Mackie Mackie. and uh i was saying how much i wish that that was still the mill because that was a really cool restaurant and also they had this great little bar area Mackie like, Mackie. yeah so it used to be a bavarian restaurant a german restaurant really yeah really good food but there that area that's not like the main dining room used to be this little bar yeah um it still is a bar uh, Mackie Mackie like once since yeah. they changed over but uh They've got Kirin, Sapporo. So shitty Japanese beer. Anyways, moving on. The uh, the mill had a pretty good selection of, like, for 2008 selection of German beer that they had on draft. And I, I wish that it hadn't closed a couple of years before I moved into this neighborhood because I'd have gone drinking there. Right. Uh, and then it occurred to me, Derek was, like, 12 or 13 when the place changed. <laughs> so he would have never had cause to go there. I'm, I'm, we're hitting that point, man. Now I'm starting to feel old. Right. And fuck, you're feeling old. Um, you got, what, four or five years on me? So you said you started double double IPA Imperial Stout. Do you remember what the first craft beer you tried that kind of set you on the path, as it were? Kind of, yes. Um, but it's neither of those two styles, so I'm kind of backpedaling. Oh, at this okay. Point. But it would have been uh, Phillips's Kaleidoscope. Their uh, Mosaic Craft IPA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I very like. I was drinking Amnesiac around that time as well, but it was the Kaleidoscope that demonstrated mm. to me that hops can be more than just bitter. They can actually have like floral elements to them huh. as well. And like Mosaic hops are well known for like the depth of flavors that they can impart with an IPA. Yeah. And I like. I've had a lot of mosaic hopped IPAs since then, um, but I still go back to Kaleidoscope as like an example of the style. Well, since this came up, just out of nothing, um, Innocent Gun actually was my first craft beer that I, the first beer I ever had that I actually liked because I I was fed some like uh, Coronas or something by like older friends or my Mm -hmm. dad's girlfriend's kids. Uh, <clears throat> when I was in my teens, and I thought this is like fucking horse piss. I yeah, well, wanna, it's skunk. I have no interest in drinking beer. Beer clearly sucks. And then uh, Dad had a couple of the original Innocent Gun in the fridge when, like, the year we moved out here. And I'm like, these are actually really good. Um, well, and I, I mean, I've said it on the show before, but like growing up in a Big Rock, yeah. drinking or a household that at least occasionally consumed Big Rock, yeah, um, it was always kind of around. But I, I realized today or the other day that I got to uh, like. It, life came full circle so as a child i used to declare beer disgusting as most do uh and my father would look at me quite stoically hi dad uh and uh say it's an acquired taste and Mm -hmm. then when i started introducing him to sour beers i got to then turn that on oh it's an acquired (laughs) taste dad he can if i'm generating that memory like if i'm making things up he can totally confirm see somebody my dad listens to this podcast (laughs) eric 
Maybe mine doesn't listen anymore. <laughs> My dad listened for like six months, and then I did he really? Oh well, he I said guess we were too sweary. <laughs> Cursed too. There's too much cursing <laughs> or something. I can't remember what. No, you were you were right. I remember you said you're you are right. I remember you saying, "He's like he says we curse a lot." Yeah, it's the internet. <laughs> that is our show is probably the tamest explicit thing on the internet. We're also millennials. We have no manners and we're poorly educated right. and we're entitled little fucks. So we curse a lot. Does that mean Eric's not a millennial? I am a millennial. Are Barely, you a millennial? Yeah. You're like what year you would have been 94. Born, born in 94. I think the cutoff point was like 97. Yeah. yeah. So basically it was you had to have been like have conscious thought at the time of the millennium. Yeah, that's, and I was six, so yeah. yeah. Back on, stay on target. Sorry, we we totally fell off the wagon. <laughs> um, where were we? Col- uh, Phillips Mosaic IPA, right? First beer. I used to buy cases of that beer. I remember that. Uh, and keep it on hand in the house. I I was very fortunate. I mean, like I think that it's interesting that our first that uh, mine and Paul's introduction to craft beer was the same thing. Innocent, Innocent gun. gun. Um. But like Minison Gun, Minison Gun, Innocent Gun, it, like you can also find it everywhere. Like yeah. it's ubiquitous. Yeah. Um. But, Not at the time, but yeah. Like and but definitely by the time that I got onto the scene, oh, yeah. which brings me to my actual point. Um. Me and the rest of the New Guard are very very lucky for all the work that you guys right. did mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I like not only can I introduce my customers to like to craft beer that is actually good like not like this is the best we have but like this is actually the best that you can get that you can get um but i like when i started drinking beer it was just like a smorgasbord of whatever yeah right (laughs) like it wasn't like i had to drink big rock and like like... i've had the experience of having to drink big rock when i'm out and like i enjoy big rock and that's fine but (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) that's the i'm not racist but craft beer <laughs> nice, but but uh, when I like when I go to my neighborhood liquor store, yeah, there is more available than domestic Sleeman and Big Rock. It's true. I remember. So I grew up in a time where Big Rock had a shitload of craft beer, mm. and then when I was of age, there were three Big Rock beers you could find with any regularity, and one of them was Big Rock Lime. Oh, they made a lime beer. <laughs> Oh my god, oh you my god. you wouldn't have been of age during the craft the, the lime beer summer. The lime beer. So Bud Light Lime came out in well, that must have been two thousand nine because I was No the, before that. It was like well, it took seven off in, or eight. It took off in 09 and it did gangbusters. Uh and so the, like the year after that, everyone, everyone had a lime, lime beer. beer. Big Rock did a lime beer. Did you guys do one? No. Or, no. Uh I think Alley Cat was one of the few that didn't, but no. like literally everybody everyone was doing it. And that none of them survived because it was a shitty trend. No, those but... are all gone for the most part. Yeah. Like big Bud Light Lime is still around, but, but it's, it's like not the... what it was. No. And I was working retail then, and I remember people coming into the store and being like, hey, you got Bud Light Lime? I was like, no, I don't. But you know what I do have? I have Bud Light. And on the counter right there, I have some limes. <laughs> and you could take that lime and put it in your Bud Light, and then you would have a Bud, Bud Light Lime. lime. Probably better because it would be real lime. Yeah. Nobody, nobody no. took me up on that offer. Nope. Well, it's like what we were saying off air about mixing two beers together. That's a lot of work. Yeah, you got to cut. You got to get a knife. Like you're, and you're also putting your fingers at risk. Like you got to cut the lime to do that. Uh, yeah, and like honestly, for most Bud Light drinkers, that that's a stretch, man. Right. But you figure you like <laughs> if you were gonna open it, like you, if you're gonna go through the trouble of opening the bottle, you could at least put a slice of lime in it. 
I don't know. I don't know. Don't they have twist offs? I don't know. It's been a long time since I had a I'm sure product. it's a twist off. It's gotta uh, be. No, I don't know. I, there is no big no. macro beer that's like that that's gonna be a, a pry off because that that eases it puts another layer between you and your beer for convenience. You don't want that. You just yeah. want people to mindlessly if drink. ABN, if AB and Bev could just inject the beer directly into your veins without you actually having to buy it and then consume it, they'd probably do it. But see, then that would require having to know how to insert something into customers' veins. So, Speaking of Google's barriers close. to beer, <laughs> um, did, has any, did anybody else know more about... Does anybody else know more than me about Doug Ford's Buck of Beer promise? Uh, kind of. What do you think is going to happen? I haven't been following Ontario politics closely, but I've heard the term before, and it's uh, just it. It's talking about um, taxes and markups and stuff, like the sin tax kind of. Okay, thing, right? so what then is like we can confidently say that the base the base level of his proposition is cut taxes on beer producers, beer gets cheaper. I, I don't even need to know what exactly you're talking about to be like 99% confident that that's what he's okay. saying. Okay. Well, his, his whole shtick is uh, let's cut taxes, but we're not actually going to find a way to replace them. We're just going to cut taxes. Unless you're advocating for the idea that you think he's going to like legally mandate that all beer must be a dollar per Well, I don't think it's even all beer. Like I really do think it's, they think it's a tax cut thing. We're like, well, we'll cut the tax on this producer and then the product will get cheaper. No, it won't you fucking ding dong. The product will see the same price. They'll just make an extra dollar. You stupid son yeah. of a bitch. People, People put tax breaks in their pocket. Nobody ever hires somebody because they got a tax break. So Though like, if the big guys stayed the same price, the small guys might cut their prices a little bit to try to compete a little. Uh, that that might happen. It's hard. That's hard for them to do, though. So what I would say, when I first started in liquor retail was the year that they got rid of the uh, previous syntax. Oh, yeah. And uh, prices did not go down on anything. Nope. Like, and not just in store. Like, the wholesale cost did not go down because now producers are going, well, people have been paying this for a year anyway. Yeah, so. Why, why would I not then take an opportunity to make a little make bit more money? extra money. Exactly. Before they reinstitute the tax. Well, what happened? Well, I know, but the thing is, when they brought back in another syntax, prices just went up. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you're never gonna. No. Nobody's ever gonna go back to making less money. Exactly. That's if you if you have the opportunity to make more money or to make the same amount of money as you were the day before, they're gonna take the opportunity to make more fucking money. Yeah. Because absolutely. capitalism sucks. Yeah. This, welcome to late stage <clears throat> capitalism, people. Um, sorry, that was like a, a brief digression, but I just, it kind of flashed in my head as like fucking bucket beer. Why don't we talk about that? I'm Can just I? imagining like going into a liquor store and seeing a bottle of Chimay Red and it like legally says $1. Well, there's a You're legal like, oh, minimum. Yeah. Like you have to charge a certain amount for oh, alcohol. Oh, yeah, $3. Wait. Three and a quarter. Yeah. Um, uh, which hasn't, in my mind, in my recollection, hasn't gone up since they instituted it. A long time now. I think before I moved here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Un I was in university. When I'm, that happened, I moved here in 2006. Because I worked at a Legion, and they would sell. They were selling three dollar beer, and it was a fucking outrage that they had to like raise the price by a quarter. Um, I lost out on tips. No shit. Just uh, how long do we want to wait before we apologize for the fan? By the by, I'll dump it in at the beginning. Kay. Like I'll dump it in before the. It's hot as balls that day. It's fucking hot in here, man. If you Holy can't hear shit. it. There's a fan. There's a fan happening. If you've been hearing that noise, that's what. The, but we're all. This is this is with air conditioning installed in my bedroom window. On top of that, it would be forty degrees in here. But for that, I anticipated like just if it if we just said nothing, it would like generate some kind of Pavlovian response in our listener where listener where it would make them angry, but for being unable to discern why like yeah. it's so imperceptible but it is legitimately annoying me that it, now that you've brought it up i can I'm hear sorry. it again <laughs> I'm like, it's oh. white noise man 
Isn't that noise. what all podcasting is? White noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is that? They said a group of three straight white men sitting yeah, in a room together is called a podcast. Brandon told us that. Yeah, yeah. any three or like a, any that's the name for a group of straight white males is a podcast. <laughs> in the same way that like a group of crows is a murder. Yeah, a murder. So actually, fun side digression. There's actually a similarly obscure and often like not modern English word for any group of birds. Can my, tell my, me what it is. I can't remember what one of them is, but my stepmom had me look this up a few years back. And like, there is a, a chart on Wikipedia that's got like 30 or 40 entries, if I'm remembering right, uh, which are like, they're off the wall. A murder is like one of the less weird ones. <laughs> I think it was like a group of pigeons or something she wanted me to look up, and it was like a, a kitering. It's not that. Don't yell at me, internet, but. I'm, uh, we're just going to ask the internet right now. We've got Google. Yes. <laughs> and Google has us. <clears throat> A uh, guy I used to know always referred to using Google to search for something as consulting the overmind, <laughs> which I think he meant mostly in the sense of collected knowledge, but uh, I've always interpreted that as also, well, it controls our lives, so. Maybe yeah. Did you ever play the original StarCraft? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you get that. Like, recently. Like, I, cool. like, I replayed it like a year and a half ago. That came out like a year after you were born. You wouldn't have been able to play it when <laughs> it was first out. Oh, no, man. but like, it, was a, it was a big, like, that Ages of Empires 2, yeah. uh, Warcraft 2 two and later three like uh, the, all those games. alpha centauri is one of the yeah. best strategy games ever made uh, I've, started, two. I've started a replay of fallout new vegas i did too um then i got killed by those fucking death claws because i went in the wrong direction oh, yeah, don't go to up save. there I, was, I thought there was a shortcut over the mountains when i was like i don't know i'm like level 20 maybe 15 um and i guess i hadn't saved in like 45 minutes because i got killed and then i lost all of that progress and i'm like okay can't trust you with this current setup Knocking over Eric's mic for the second time. That's fine. The first one wasn't on the air. At least you didn't spill any beer. Yeah, hey. that's true. Okay. Uh, Thespruce.com has an article entitled Collective Nouns to Describe Bird Flocks. And Paul was not wrong. They're wild. Uh, a group of, I don't even know what the hell a bobolink is, <laughs> but a group of them is called a chain. A group of buzzards <laughs> is called a wake. <laughs> a group of card- cardinals is called a college, a conclave, a radiance, or a Vatican, <laughs> a which Vatican, makes sense. That's awesome. Uh, chickadees. A group of chickadees is a banditry, which is now my new favorite. There, something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, see if the if the if the bird name is weird, I don't know. Like it doesn't matter because I couldn't tell you what kind of bird it is, and if the like murder of crows, a congress of crows, a bevy of doves. I'm glad to know where a bevy comes from. Ducks can be referred to as a raft. I'm sure this is fucking thrilling content. <laughs> Listen to our new podcast. Matt reads a list. Like if you guys would tag up on one every once in a while, it might generate something. But you're just like, uh-huh, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I can't see the list, Matt. You didn't share it with the class. I'm still laughing about Bobolinks being a chain. Like I, just, I don't know. <laughs> a, a group of geese is called a skein or a wedge. Or a gaggle. Most people know gaggle. Apparently, a lot of those come from medieval hunting terms. There's oh, yeah, a, that makes sense. A group, of, or there's a, a, a type of bird called a godwit, and the groups of them are called prayers or pantheons. That's pretty cool. Pantheon of Godwit. That's cool. Yeah. yeah that's like the name it. of my next band. Yeah, that's going to be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> Speaking of bands, um, transitioning back into not. Yeah, we're going to go off the five digressions that we're on. Uh, you listen sh- to this show. Yeah, you know, you know how this goes. I absolutely. This and I'm just great. like, what I'm trying to do is keep keep it on topic and like mostly talk about you. But speaking of bands, a <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Andrew Ironmonger, uh, writer and performer of Please Listen Responsibly, our lovely theme music, 
that we've been complimented on multiple times. Really? I yeah. enjoy it. That's another one. Um, there you go. See, now he's saying nice things. He knows, he knows what's he up. He knows he's on the nice. Um, we I were, realize that nobody actually knows I'm here. <laughs> we were having lunch, Andrew and I, <laughs> and uh, he asked me something that I kind of like took to heart. He's like, we were talking about the podcast itself, and he's like, well, what do you want to learn? I know people. Like, what do you want to know about? I was like, what an excellent way to frame this. So, like, what do you want to know about? So, like, I've kind of taken that into uh, taking that into the show. And I might not have said it out loud, but, like, I want to learn things about people. And even, like, if it's not somebody who, like, knows something that I want to learn about, I just want to learn about them. So, like, having Jason on was super fun because mm. I learned a lot about Jason. He's a journalist, and uh, that's always something I wanted to learn more about. But I didn't know until – or maybe I knew and just, like, we hadn't talked a lot about it. But Eric, beyond being a beer nerd and a retail wizard – uh, and the new guard of Edmonton beer culture. Is it a band? Yeah, kind what, of. What kind? Of, <laughs> why is it that everybody that comes on this show who's like, I'm in a band, and they're like, cool, what kind of, you're in a band? Well, yeah, sort uh, of. I mean, I do this thing. It's not really a band. I play sometimes, you know, we, we toured Europe last summer. <laughs> <laughs> Sam had the same response. He was like, oh, you like you make music. Well, I mean, music, let's not go. Uh, what kind of band do you play in? Sometimes, um, kind of. Yeah. Um, it's like a progressive, so, like sometimes veering into avant-garde, like metal. You're in a metal band? band? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. As soon as you started to say yeah. avant-garde, you're going to say you're playing a metal yeah, band. Oh, yeah, you say you're a prog metal band. Like it's a bunch of dudes in Opeth t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. If any of us liked Opeth, I could. <laughs> you're not an Opeth fan? No. They had one good album. I like Opeth. Yeah. Like. A couple of minutes of all of their albums could be construed if you put them all together. As Ghost Reveries is a decent album. It's not that great from start it's to decent. Back, it's, it's boring. I didn't say it was great. I just said it was decent. It's boring. If you're looking for like sleepy time music, yeah, like I could. Ooh, coming up with some <laughs> hot wow. music. Taste. I've never been a fan of Opeth. A lot of my friends growing up were uh, Opeth and Dream Theater were the two bands that I just couldn't. Yeah, like I don't like Dream uh, Theater Opeth, either. Dream Theater. Primus and Tool. Get the fuck off my <laughs> yeah, show. No, literally, for those last two, no. Yeah. I like long audience, they just, buddy. They just weren't weren't for who me doesn't like up. Primus. Who doesn't like Fucking Tool? Kids. I like the I Robot like Chicken theme song. <laughs> Get off my show. <laughs> I, I have, there's a bit of uh, there's going to be a coup. So Tool falls into a category of the, uh, like it encompasses a lot of types of art, but it's the um, this is weird, so it must be deep. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the people that I know that like Tool, a lot of the people that I know that like Nirvana, mm-hmm. a lot of the people that I know that like Donnie Darko have no, f- a lot of people that I know that like David Lynch movies have no fucking idea why they like any of those things. They're just weird and seem arty. So they're like, oh, this must be cool. Like it, it elicits a basic feeling in me and I don't understand the rest of it. So it must be deep and smart. And if I say I like it, I am therefore deep and smart. Bear in mind that I do actually like several of the things you have. Yeah, on but I list, know, but, but you know why you like David Lynch movies. I you know different. why you like those things. Also, I would say that like Tool are not as particularly deep. They're smart dudes, as near as I can tell. But it's mostly that they all pretty sure do a whole hell of a lot of drugs and then write some cool music to go yeah. along with it. Um, I w- I'm also just I mean because I'm a fan uh, when they write their stuff, the the three music like musicians in the band do the music and then the singer comes up with lyrics to fit that. So I, mm. I kind of get the impression he probably drops some acid and then writes some stuff that sounds yeah. cool with it. And I'm cool with that. I know. I... He's also more than a bit of a prick. He's a weirdo. <clears throat> uh, and especially in light of the like, 
in current historical context, I'm less inclined to set aside this grumpy fucking asshole makes music or art we all really like, so we're going to excuse his bad behavior. Well, I mean, this isn't inferging into, like, uh, Roman Polanski territory. No, I didn't say that he, like, touched no, a child. I'm just, he's a dink, and I don't yeah. want to perpetuate the idea mm-hmm. that to be creative, you, you have, have to be I... crippled or broken or an asshole. Um, one thing that I will... Emotionally crippled or broken. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, <laughs> what uh, I would say kind of at least gives them a bit of a pass for me is that they've been uh, very openly critical of, uh, like, particularly Scientology since they're all from L.A. But, like, I mean, they had a, a they have a song on their second album, which is uh, a very thinly veiled critique of L. Ron Hubbard. And they once did a show in some giant venue that they found out, like, at the last minute was owned by Scientology, like the church. So they yeah. came out and they booed, like, bawed at the crowd for five minutes and then left. <laughs> I think they. I think they gave a refund. Good night, Springton. Tickets. There will be no encore. Um, but speaking of bands, we might actually like. Do you guys have a record? Like, have you released music? What's the name of your What's band? What's your band camp? Uh, right. Um. So we have a name and yeah. we have a single, but no record. You have um, a single? Can I yeah. listen to it right now? Uh. Well, not on the air. If we're gonna listen to it, we could pause and then listen to it. Yeah, Let's that's do that. back onto the air. Yeah, for sure. Where can I find your single? Um, so the name of the band is And I, The Arrow. And you can actually find the single on... Yeah, right? I'm not getting this reference. It's a Sylvia Plath reference. I don't get it either. That's it's out. just... Thank you. It's clearly a reference to something. Yep. Um, I read one Sylvia Plath short story in my first year English class and went, I'm yeah, pretty depressed to begin with. I don't, I don't need to come back to this. Uh, that's kind of my... Uh, uh, but it, it's uh, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Music, I believe. Okay, hang on. All right, so either one of two things will happen. We'll, we'll, we'll either drop the song in there or we'll drop the song at the end of the episode. So that was, what's sorry, the name of your band is what? And I the Arrow. And, and, and I the Arrow. You're going to be listening to the single from our upcoming album, upcoming album, uh, To Love and Be Loved. To Love and Be Loved. Yeah, and, it's the called so- Chrysalis. and the song is called Chrysalis.
All right. So you would describe that you play guitar? Yeah, I play uh, primarily acoustic guitar, but now I have uh, an acoustic electric hybrid that I play instead. Okay. Um, yeah. And are you playing like lead or rhythm? Rhythm. Rhythm. Okay. Yeah. So you're playing rhythm guitar in this band. And how we, how, how does this happen? Like where in the, consuming all this beer do you find time to like learn to play guitar? <laughs> um, I've been playing guitar in some form or another since the fourth grade or so probably around then music has always been like a part of my life uh i've always been better at listening to music than i have been at playing it but (laughs) every like they're 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 reached a point with the friends that i was hanging out with and that kind of stuff that i i wanted to learn how to play instruments so like right i uh i primarily play acoustic guitar um I actually started in this band or like various projects with different names uh, with bass guitars. So that's where I got like most of my uh, training. Right. You're, um, a lo- you're a long fingered individual. Yeah. Looks like you'd be pretty good at that. Uh, I played uh, double bass and clarinet throughout junior high and high school. Uh, band geek. Yeah. Well, not. Yeah. Yeah. I was a band I geek. I spent my summer Are you band from camp? here? Yeah. You're, you're born and bred yeah, Edmontonian? Yeah. Born, born and raised Edmontonian. For oh, the only one in the room. For yeah. better or for worse. For better, the city's all yeah. right. I, I like it. It's it's getting there. As somebody who chooses to be here, the city's all right. Um, so, do you play live shows? Like, where can people find your shit? Um, not yet. Uh, that that is in the works. Um, coordinating our schedules has become difficult as we've all moved into adulthood. Right. But, uh, and actually. Uh, me and my bandmates all live together, and all you naysayers may say, "Hey, you can just go <laughs> oh downstairs." God, you and all play live to fucking together. Um, oh, it's so hard to find time. Like we all live in the same house, and we all like share things. It's and, actually uh, it, it it was easier to to schedule time and to keep it when we weren't because it almost like living in a domestic setting with the people that you're doing something that is both fun, but also like fundamentally a form of work yeah. makes it a little bit more difficult. But when you can like demarcate the space a little bit, like go somewhere else and do it, it was easier to be productive. Does that make sense? What do you, yeah. Because you have to, you have to actually carve out time to do it. Exactly. And then it, it means a lot more. Right? Yeah, that's fair. I would uh, say that I actually have very much the opposite experience, but then again, you guys all come to me, so it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> my commute home after recording is uh, the like twelve steps to my bed or the three to my couch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also sing in the band too, and I didn't come into like I've been doing the vocals for that project or other like named projects uh, since the ninth grade or so. Right. Um, but it was only within the last couple of years that I started learning how to actually sing. Is it melodic? Yes. So you're not doing like growly vocal. You're not no. doing a growl yeah. or anything. My, uh, I, like, that would be pretty cool. If in you were. in the old in the old stuff, and I can I can hook you up with some of our older stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. It was uh, it was primarily heavy vocals. Uh, there was like a little bit of singing, um, and I can still I can still do it. And I mean I enjoyed the time that I spent with that. Right. But uh, with the the direction that me and my bandmates took in our approach to writing music, right. uh, It was I I started learning to sing. Like both because I very much enjoyed it, but also kind of out of necessity. Right. So I actually I have a question for you. Of course. Um, just occurs to me, you might. Have, do you ever listen to much of the local hardcore scene? Or not, have you ever? I was a big like I was like not only a big part of it, but a big fan of it in high school. Um, do you know? But the, not the, so much after that. So this would have been around the time you're in high school. Do you know anything of the band Toto Skyrim? No. Okay. So a friend of mine from undergrad uh, was the singer there. He's like, been on the show once or twice, um, and I had some conversations with him about. 
actually that was the the joke i made about going on tour a summer tour of europe because there was a year where they wanted a summer tour of europe mm-hmm. and he still was like oh yeah i'm in a band you know it's not a big deal <laughs> uh but yeah so he does like uh uh hardcore vocals okay but yeah. he, we had a talk once where i guess there's a, a good and a bad way to do that and there's there a good is. way to do that where it doesn't like burn out your vocal cords and there's a bad way where it does uh he's also kind of like you and that he's short and slim and completely covered in tattoos under his clothes but i have one um there is very much a technique to it and like there's like a a bunch of different styles of that kind of vocal um i'm probably not like i'm not the authority on it uh i i do it properly it doesn't burn my vocal cords which is nice but i kind of fell into that by accident right um, but there are vocalists that I that I know who and like have talked to that do it the wrong way, and you can hear it in their voice. Yeah. Mm. So who are your guys then? Like who? Like whom do I play with? No, 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 no. Like who do you like? What do I listen to? Yeah. Like what? What feeds the? Ooh. What feeds the band? Like what? Wh- who do you listen to? And you're like I gotta make that. I gotta do what they're doing. Man, you guys just made fun of me for being like an egregious hipster, and mm. uh, now I feel like <laughs> I'm gonna make this even worse. <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, quick pause. It, this is the embodiment of the. Uh, uh, if I make the Borat voice one more time, I'm gonna get a divorce. <laughs> oh yeah, who's telling you that? <laughs> Tearfully Sorry. clears throat. My wife. My wife. <laughs> no, uh, the, the line for that was, um, "My wife tells me that we're gonna. She's gonna divorce me." Like it was. Sorry, this is a Twitter thing uh, that Matt and I both found really entertaining. But it's a, one of those like me. Uh, Somebody else. So yeah. Me, my wife says she's going to leave me if I don't stop doing the no, Borat voice. No, it doesn't voice. say that. It just says, if I do the Borat voice one more time, <clears throat> I'm going to be is divorced. It? Yeah. Okay. Because the therapist's question is, right. who, who says... says that? Or who tells you <laughs> right. that? And he te- the me tearfully clears throat. Because then every time in my mind, like, I had to stop <laughs> for, like, ten minutes outside an account <laughs> just to, like, <laughs> I would read it and they go, my wife. My wife. <laughs> And laugh and laugh and laugh. And then I would like calm down. I'd think about it again. My wife. It's the tearful bit. It's the tearful like, My wife. That he's doing it while crying. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, now that we've mocked you for being a pretentious hipster, continue to be a pretentious hipster. Um, on So like, <clears throat> m- much like the way that we talk about beer, I would prefer to talk about bands that I like and not so much about bands that I don't. Absolutely. Um, that is our number one mandate right. on this show. Positivity, um, you assholes. So- <laughs> Um, for like on genre stuff mm-hmm. for bands that I like, uh, Between the Bear to Me was a really big entrance into that genre for me, and yeah. like still influences me. I haven't really been a fan of their later music. Between but the Baron and Me, Buried in Me, the Buried in Me, yeah, Buried. If you're Canadian, Between the Buried and Me, Between the Buried and Me. Um, if you are go for a maybe rip. from the prairies, we don't talk like that in BC, but yeah, but um, they, like they they blend uh. Like a primarily hardcore bass okay. with a lot of classical and jazz music, which I appreciate. Nice. Um, and there. Do you have a mu- like? You have a degree, yeah. Uh, I uh, kind of. I've is got. It in, is it in music? Uh, no. It's okay, not. never I, mind. Yeah. You you said something earlier about like I really want everyone to know I had a degree in music, and I know you didn't mean you, but no. Um, my uh, I have uh like to answer that question, I have three years, three and a half years of a four-year English degree completed, but I haven't finished it. Finish things. Goddamn kids. Right? Um, anyways. Um, but anyway, uh, Between the Bear to Me, uh, long-form albums, blend of hardcore and right. uh, like jazz and classical, which I really appreciate. Yep. Um, Anathema is another band that I really enjoy. They move from doom metal into progressive. Doom. But like, 
for for all the bands that I listen to, that that theme of moving from one genre and kind of into another mm-hmm. is what I appreciate, and that's what right. I really like about the genre itself. Um, it's it, it's a metal base, and then however you want to flavor it is kind of up to right. the way that you do it. Well, and um, you you and I, have... I I listen uh, like I. I've been a metalhead for a long time, um, but how much metal I actually listen to, like all metalheads say when they get around 23 years old, yeah. <laughs> um, really depends on my mood. Like, I went to Slayer last week. and I, I hear that's like, a great show. I enjoyed it. Uh, like, it was Slayer, Lamb of God, Behemoth, Testament, oh. and um, Anthrax. That is a good lineup. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I enjoyed it, but... Um, I think Behemoth is the only one of that lot that I'm actually like fond of. Yeah. Beyond like knowing about them, but, but like digression, it was really interesting to be there. But I kind of just wanted to like sit down and watch the show yeah. with a beer. But there was like a primal part of me like that would have been fully awake four or five years ago <laughs> that just, just like, wanted to hit somebody yeah. and just jump into that. Yeah, head, it's right? uh, it it like ta- like it's a style of music that's designed to tap into a very like guttural feeling, yeah. right? Like. A very visceral, hostile, uh, aggressive feeling. So, like as as good as the show was, it was actually the first time that I almost felt out of place. Like I, I like I, yeah. uh, metal shows are like a really testosterone fueled, like angry oh, yeah. place, and I wanted to be a part of that, but I wasn't. I went to a couple of shows at the Mead Hall with a friend of mine, um, which I don't think exists as a venue anymore. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, anyway, so I went to see like. A bunch of guys painted up in white and black grease paint and like long hair, whatever yeah. type of metal that is. Because uh, while I enjoy metal, I make a point to know very little about types of it. Yeah, uh, that's whatever I find that I like, I just I like it, and that's good enough for me. It's black metal, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you. So I was like, I, that's what I was trying to get someone to say. Somebody knows the answer to my fucking question. Um, but I found it to be like, uh, I found it. Uh, I, I enjoyed a great deal watching people be who they were in that space and like uh i, I i'm the type of person who when they're filled with joy like likes to laugh about that like likes to joy mm-hmm. enjoys a good joyful laugh apparently that's not acceptable at a metal show so i wasn't i was not asked to go to another one <laughs> but i really enjoyed it yeah it's a neat space it's a you're right it's a very like you like you say it's a very aggressive i like I would hesitate to call it testosterone driven, but that's because most of the people who introduced me to good metal are women. Yeah, uh, I, I still, I would still argue that that might be testosterone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, th- those hormones do exist in balance in, mm-hmm. in people, and like, um, I, like metal shows are interesting. I like, I, I feel like I see a lot of good examples of like maleness and a lot of right. bad, of, bad examples of maleness, and they all kind of mix. Yeah, and like, I enjoy myself more when I see more good than bad. Mm-hmm. I guess um, that's fair. But it like it feels like a very male space, and so it was weird for me being at the Slayer show to feel like I was left out of that almost, right. even if I was choosing to do so. Cho- yeah, choosing to take yourself out of it. Yeah. So. Well, it's a it's a it's a, a a genre and a fandom that, as we've talked about before, it takes itself very seriously, um, sometimes too, too much. Seriously. So, uh, which is what so. Which is why I really enjoy it. the thing that makes me that made me love metal was Metalocalypse because it's like clearly written by metal fans who understand how ridiculous metal is. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are songs on those records about like Vikings who are lost and afraid and too ashamed to ask for directions, so they just wander around and die. Like they run out of food and they fucking die in the mm-hmm. woods because they they can't they get lost on the way to battle. Or there's a song about 
graduating from your undergraduate degree and moving into your parents' basement uh, called Go Forth and Die. Um, it's just I, I know like, I, I feel like we've talked about them before in your, that show and you're just not into it I appreciate some of the humor but not necessarily the medium like explain how uh, I, the music doesn't get me like it's like really for the same reason that you like it I don't like it's just generic metal yeah. so I could get that anywhere and but the show the, like what I always go back to for the show is like the humor sometimes it's really cutting in the descriptions that you talked about and the rest of it like i'm gonna say like a good 70 percent of it is haha let's laugh at that guy because he's swedish (laughs) (laughs) and being swedish i take offense to that norwegian (laughs) (laughs) it's called the food libraries no, you're not into it. It's not not into it. Man. <laughs> what do you find cutting about that show? Uh, um, examples like what you described for the music, where they yeah. recognize how ridiculous the genre is yeah. and take that to its logical conclusion. <laughs> but it's it's just like the extreme ridiculous, like because that's what those songs are about. Yeah. Like actual metal songs are about shit like that. But if it were to happen to them, it seems ridiculous, and I just, that's what I love about that show. Oh, absolutely. Um, but we, yeah, we had talked about metal taking itself so seriously, and that's that's why like the best metal to me realizes how ridiculous it is. That's why one of my favorite bands will always be Three Inches of Blood, because uh, they understand they're not quite as cutting about it, but they understand how silly. I I, I enjoy Three Inches of Blood for a lot of the same reasons, but they also align a little bit more with the kind of metal that I usually prefer to listen. Yeah, to. Yeah, like would you call it? power metal yeah like power metal or speed metal if you like start really splitting hairs like it's it, but like i it's, was gonna say speed metal yeah but then i swear i but to me it's it's thematic right because a lot of the songs are about like weapons and war but like fantasy war right mm-hmm. not not a lot of it's futuristic a lot of it is like about hordes of of witches and shit like and that. like i like i would i would describe it more formally like it, the the way that the music is written and how it sounds like irrespective of the lyrics drive like drive that feeling okay um but yeah like speed metal power metal all like all of those genres are interconnected and yeah three inches of blood sits somewhere in Drag- there. uh this is a japanese band dragon force are they are they japanese no you're thinking of a treyu am i for japanese because i think dragon force is from the states are they I don't know. Eh. I just never. Uh, this like it was the one time where I was like, oh, this is a type of metal I can specifically say that I enjoy. And yeah. It was like, um, there's another like uh, there's a Greek band. Uh, the guy's name is Gus G. Firewind. Okay. Um, I also really enjoy that. But yeah, I would. I've, and to me, it's all about it's lyrical. Like that's okay. what's silly about it. The music is technically brilliant. Uh, well, maybe not brilliant, but like the music is it's not derivative it's not basic right mm-hmm. like you have to be really good at what you're doing to replicate that kind of sound i can play guitar i can't i, I that i can't yeah, do that i can't do that either i cannot shred that is not a skill that yeah. i have paul can he determined that. yes we did paul can shred paul j paul j we uh went and looked up an old live show from when he was still with death Soul rising i want to we were just hanging out i think after a recording yeah. or something and we started googling old videos and we got to the uh, solo part of the song and paul's just like Matt turns to me and goes, holy shit, fucking shred. It was really weird because he's such a soft-spoken individual. He's so low-key. Aside from that one time, he's so low-key. To think that he would write, like, and it, it makes perfect sense that he would write the phrase defecation, suffocation, and go, <laughs> <laughs> so no album forthcoming from 
and yeah. what is it? And I, I the arrow. and I the arrow. Yeah. That's totally what I was gonna say. Um, we have an album. We have the instrumentation right. recorded. You, just need, you need your vocals. The vo- uh, we've got the vocals more or less done for some of the tracks, but the other tracks need some work, and then it needs to go into the production phase. But, um, honestly, we, like we've tried to pin a timeline down on it, and it always <laughs> makes it seem less like a goal and more like a chore. But of course, it's it a chore. Will. It's fucking work. Coming it soon in twenty thirty five, and I the arrows first release, and it will be awesome. There will be twenty more years. Of work that gets put into that. <laughs> Your magnum opus released posthumously. <laughs> In a um, genre that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> Off genre music, to not paint myself as somebody who listens to metal and only metal and is concerned about splitting hairs between genres. Um, I actually primarily listen to pop music, which was a little relatively new thing for me, like right. maybe within the last two or three years. Um, I spent a lot of money to go see Lady Gaga in concert, and that was that's a lot cool. of sense totally well spent. Yeah, apparently it's an amazing thing. It film. was, I think she changed outfits like seven times. Yeah. It was Weird Al did 12 when I saw him. No big yeah. deal. No, NBD, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, you know, up your game, Gaga. Right. <laughs> G- Lady Gaga. Uh, Lady Gaga is one of, like, one of my favorite artists. Um, I've been listening to a lot of like pink and lord and like that kind of stuff recently it's just so different from what i grew huh. up with yeah um i don't really listen to a lot of classical music though i do enjoy it yeah. uh, when i'm listening to legacy music just kidding uh when uh, like jazz is usually where i go to instead of classical like if i'm feeling in that mood um right. i listen to a lot of miles davis um okay coltrane like a lot yeah, of the yeah big names. i like lyricless jazz yeah. as well i, I i've uh re-embraced Having satellite radio has allowed me to re-embrace the fact that there's country music that I really enjoy, yeah. uh, and some of, enjoy some of it is purely nostalgic, like stuff from the '80s and '90s that was on in the house, mm-hmm. like that was just on and around me. Uh, and then like some of it that's actually good, that's yeah. slightly older. Um, I have the same kind of experience, more so with our old R&B than blues, but because um, my dad, like, and I say old R&B specifically because like. Beyonce gets called R&B. She's not R&B. No, I know what you're saying. Al Green is the kind of R&B I'm talking about. And I don't really listen to a lot of that oh, they, on like a day-to-day. It, they, they, can, they can both be that. And it's still okay. But they're radically different. They are. Of. But that like they, they can still both be R&B. But I, that's he did say old versus new. Okay, right? yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's a time yeah. thing, not a genre thing. I, I don't know of modern R&B. Maybe that's just what the genre has evolved into. Yeah. Much the same way that I would say like old Led Zeppelin is not heavy metal by today's standards. No, it's just really loud it, folk music. No, it's it's blues. It's blues really with the folk music. It's blues with the distortion turned up. Yeah. I mean, if you like, if you want to like retro, I, like I don't know if I agree with retroactively applying genres, but like if you really want to get into it, I mean, Black Sabbath is a doom metal band. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Right? Like absolutely. Yeah. Although their first couple albums were also basically just blues like blues music i mean yeah. doom metal and black sabbath have the same like the same genre base right it's yeah. just blues that's been slowed the fuck down and <laughs> with the the um god i just used the term and i'm blanking on it now but the distortion turned up yeah oh, there's absolutely. actually there's a, a series of youtube videos of people playing like power metal and like uh thrash metal and stuff with the distortion turned off and it's it's funk it's, music yeah. or not oh. funk music it's uh it's blues music no no not it not at all it sounds like um like folk kind of like oh fuck that, this that... no not at all it's like uh hit pause for a second i'm just gonna look this up okay, well, in the same way that a lot of my favorite science fiction is just a western with space with lasers yeah. uh, a lot of my favorite metal is just folk music but heavily distorted surf music 
thrash oh, metal yeah, thrash yeah, metal yeah, without distortion is it's yeah, scary sense. surf music and i fucking love it i want someone to actually just do that like yeah. psycho, right? like psycho billy yeah no not like it, it legit sounds like the beach boys except they're talking about like death but if you if you take the like the um, sheet music for something like Children of Bodom, like a, like a, <laughs> like a melodic death metal band, and <laughs> and have the BPM, what you or maybe quarter the BPM, what you've basically got is classical music. Yeah, right. Like it's yeah, just yeah. classical music that's much faster. Yeah, and, and, and heavily distorted. And heavily distorted. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Genres build on top of each other as we move through yeah. time. So like if Dylan had been born thirty years later, he'd be a punk musician. Yeah, right. right? Like, He'd just he'd be doing what he was doing anyway, just at a different tempo. And Paul Simon would still be stealing from black people. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> um, if it wasn't clear what I was saying about Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, the first Led Zeppelin album is entirely ripped off from black people. I was gonna say if we're if we're bringing up white musicians who stole from black people, and we don't call we don't point out the fact that Led Zeppelin is Zeppelin just, One is a great album. Half of the tracks on there are like blues standards. Off. As much as I love listening to like okay. Frank Sinatra and the rat pack yeah. and like those guys okay, i would I very ask. much rather listen to like nina simone or somebody who was actually yeah. working in that genre so i, I was actually going to bring that up because i'm a big fan of like uh, vocal jazz and pop from that era okay, as well okay. uh i actually i always wanted to get into sinatra and company and it took until i was about your age uh it did nothing for me and then suddenly one day i'm like this is really good i actually think fallout has a bit of a part of that because yeah it, um what got me into it was ain't that a kick in the head Okay. Um, and that was because that's the name of, like, I think the very first mission in New Vegas. Really? See, I'm surprised. Because of New Vegas, I'm surprised it's not the Marty Robbins that gra- of it all that grabs you. Uh, it's more Sinatra than anything. Okay. I really like Sinatra. Cause the, the tr- like, and again, having being re- being in the middle of a replay, the, uh, the, the, the highlights of that soundtrack for me are Big Iron and all the Marty Robbins tunes, like those cowboy story songs. <laughs> those really, like, resonate with me. And I don't know if it's being a firmly rooted prairie boy or whatever just like growing up around it but yeah that's what for in the new vegas soundtrack that's what really resonates for me but i don't know if it's my favorite one or not mm. i it's definitely not mine i think we've said this off air but my favorite of any of the radio stations in any of the follow games is uh oh before i forget um same kind of thing with me for no i already said the blues and r&b thing right yes okay so. if i didn't um did. i have the same i'm not sure if, i'm not sure if it was on air but uh I have the same experience with like old blues and R&B and stuff because my dad always had that going on Sundays. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like, you know, I'd wake up to the smell of coffee and bacon and like Al Green on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so of uh, of all of the follow radio stations, my favorite was for uh, the Old World Blues DLC where they, yeah. they composed like this cool jazz track for it. Um, but it was it was just like the most bluesy jazzy of any of them. The only catch is it was like nine tracks long. Yeah. So to repeat real fucking quick. Um <laughs> But we were th- like we were talking about how uh, uh, like three was very uh, well, three, like three is very like jazz stand. It's fifties and sixties, like forties through sixties. I would 60s. say it's, it's it steeps heavily into the forties because there's a lot of Bing Crosby. Well, and a lot of the Ink Spots. Uh, the Ink Spots. I fucking love the Ink Spots. I, uh, uh, it's all over, but the crying is a song I went played at my funeral, just so everybody knows. Now uh, it is time to cry. Uh, um. And, and nobody's crying but me. Fuck, I love that song. And it's so effectively used in that game. Well, and it was the uh, contrast with uh, between what you we were doing on screen and the like very yeah. 40s and 50s, like <clears throat> uh, the uh, that idea, the mm-hmm. contemporary thing that's often being referred to with like, let's make America great was the yeah. 50s idea right. for uh, middle class white folks. 
Well, and, and like I say, it's a lot of it's a lot of Bing Crosby. It's a lot of early crooners, right? And yeah. like crooners who were variety acts. Um, that t- horribly racist song about uh, it's him and the and the Andrews sisters. There's a few because there's one. That, Was this on the soundtrack? Yeah, it's it's definitely on the radio station, and it's like. Um, Bunga, 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 I don't want to leave the oh, Congo. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Have you ever actually listened to the lyrics of yep. that song? It's horribly racist. Yep. Um, and then there's one about this woman with a gun that's being in the Andrews sisters again. So, yeah. And then Fallout 4. <clears throat> what did we say 4 was? Well, you were saying that you found a lot more folk. To be honest, I listened to a lot last yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, it is a lot and... more folky. Uh, like, it's a lot. Because there's, um, there's a few songs that seem like I, I assumed they were written for the game. Well, and I, they're not. They're real songs right. about, like, folk songs about, you know, mining for uranium. Mm. Uh, or, like, weird futuristic folk songs about, like, the nuclear fallout. Uh, mixed in with a lot of, like, there's a little Nat King Cole. But, yeah, it is a little bit more folk-driven. There are definitely some repeats from the Fallout 3 soundtrack. Too. Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> there was, I think, one in New Vegas. Because they're supposed to take place pretty close together, aren't but they? 20 years apart. Because there's overlapping apart. characters. Like, one of those kids from f- 3 is in Yeah, um, the mayor of uh, Little Lamplight. Yeah. He shows up as a uh, embittered mercenary companion, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and, a companion character. Well, even the kid from uh, the uh, Brotherhood of Seal. He's the kid you meet in Fallout 3 in the bunker, who's, like, the last surviving member of the original bloodline. Yeah. Maxon. But the guy, yeah, the guy who's, like, leading the Brotherhood. That's who you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elford. Actually, that's one oh. of my, my complaints about the visual design on that, because he was, like, 12 in the original game, and yeah. in the new one, he's supposed to be, like, 22. Yeah. And he looks like he's 40. 40. I'm like... <laughs> that's 40 miles of bad road. That's what war will do to you. I get that he's supposed to be a grizzled war veteran now, but, like, you don't get that much older that quickly. But Fallout is not the only franchise to to effectively utilize good music no. especially in contrast of right well horribly violent visuals bioshock around the same time yeah, absolutely <laughs> you for took me. it right out of his mouth <laughs> for me you started <laughs> pointing as soon as i started saying bioshock <laughs> sorry for, man for me uh, like um i don't i don't have as much experience with the fallout series uh like i played a little bit of the first two games like oh fallout you have not two. immersed yourself in the wasteland but never been you are, fully uh, immersed in fallout you are on the wrong podcast yeah, my you friend. Really I, are. I like listening to everybody else talk about it i'm kind of like uh, I, like i've played bethesda games but listening to you guys talk about it actually makes me kind of want to play it fallout it, was the way I convinced Paul to watch Westworld because I'm like, dude, it's about a living sandbox. I mean, game. in part, it was also the lady that I was hanging out with at the time kept telling me I needed to watch it. Fair enough. I'm and taking it. It is the sandbox that elements that like pull me out of Fallout. Like the reason, so like, so you're not a reason, fetch quest guy then? Not really. Okay. The reason, the, like, the reason that I'm thinking about Bioshock during this whole time is like how well integrated the soundtrack yeah. is, and like for me, Bioshock was a, a like a pretty big introduction to like I white jazz and vocal games. jazz. Oh yeah, like, those kinds of. Um, music, which was awesome, because my yeah. parents listen to country music. Like I'm, I'm just like you. Yeah. Um, but like what I what I like about Bioshock is the like more structured, not narrative, but like gameplay. Yeah, wise. it's it's a more of a like a, a three dimensional side scroller. Like you have to go from one place to another. Yeah. There's would, room within the like within the different rooms you can move around. But. Bioshock is like a puzzle shooter. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Fallout is like a a shooter or an RPG. No, like a shooter RPG. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a more action oriented RPG, but it's not Yeah. And and I, I like open world games. Like I, I recently played uh Zelda's Breath of the Wild. For oh, the Switch. Wow. I, I want to so I badly. really, really enjoyed it, but I, I also find that uh open world games tend to exhaust me a lot quicker than That's other fair. games. 
because uh, like yeah I've, I, there will come a point in every playthrough of follow game where I'm like fuck it's too much i can't do I, i'm a completist yeah me too so i like i can't do it all and new vegas is the worst for that because you literally can't well, do it all like it's finishing it's one mission obsidian. will oh, finishing see. one mission will preclude you from finishing another yeah. it's developed by obsidian yeah this is this is why i've put Probably over 500 hours in a new oh, Vegas in easily. my lifetime. So easily, <clears throat> like I'm gonna spend another ten dollars to rebuy the DLC. Oh yeah, I still haven't found that fucking original copy. I, know. I don't know what happened to it. Um, but I really do. Uh, but the Bioshock games I love for a diff like I those I do play strictly for the story. Like it's fun okay. gameplay, and I do it. Like I don't get me wrong, they're fun to play. Like I do enjoy like blasting a dude with electrical mm. clocking him with my wrenches <laughs> did i tell you that um my 360 died like two missions out from finishing infinite oh no <laughs> yeah, so i've never finished that game oh, i know how it ends yeah. but it's okay the the game is better than the ending i really <laughs> like the ending i, I kind of do too even without Maybe having we'll have to say that there's for another there's podcast. always a man and there's always a lighthouse i love the ending it's funny because like for me especially with one of my friends yeah. who like is just into as into video games as i am uh we use that line but like sardonically like, yeah. be, like every time a game like thinks that it's getting too clever he'll grab me by the shoulder and be like there's there's always a man and, and there's there's always a lighthouse that's the only (laughs) way that game can end it's the only possible ending for that game anything else would be ridiculous eric is currently rolling his eyes so hard i think they might come out of their sockets it's like ridiculous and then like slightly more ridiculous no i love it i I don't know it was exactly the ending to that coming off of so like i realized that bioshock 2 was much maligned and is now starting to come back into the limelight as like people's favorite game in the series it's all right it's been my favorite game in the series it's got the better gameplay it does have the better gameplay crappier Um, story than the original it's not as good you're right i i I find the story to be more human in some ways than the original one there's something i don't need my bioshock story to be more human the entire point of that game was to build you up to the punch where you find out that uh what's his name the irish guy uh atlas is actually fontaine and that you're ryan's kid and be poor Moira. You've been you've been manipulated with the vocal command the whole game. And then Would you, you kindly? And then you, you beat the guy's skull in it. Like that's the whole point of that was to bring you up to that and go, holy shit! Yeah, because this it's was in pretty an era fucking crazy. Well, this was in an era when the internet was a little bit like social media wasn't nearly as big of a thing. Facebook, no. I think, came out in like two thousand and six. Uh, so like I had no idea what was coming with that. Yeah, that and it's one of one of the very few times when I was really glad to not know the spoilers because anyone who listens to the show knows I look them up. Yeah. I don't like being surprised, but that and the usual suspects, they're yeah. both the only two I've ever been like. I'm really glad that I did not know the twist yeah. was coming. And like for Bioshock, like when I look back on the series retroactively, for me, like Bioshock One, the twist is the big part of that game. The gameplay is also good, but it takes a little bit of a backseat. Bioshock Two puts the gameplay and the atmosphere forefront yeah. and foremost, which I really appreciate. The That's story fair. kind of takes a backseat, but I also find it's it's simple enough that it can like the the atmosphere and the gameplay can kind of be the shining. Yeah. Um, Bioshock Infinite's hard for me. Like, coming off of Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 and then into Infinite, because I played them in succession. Oh, wow. Um, Bioshock Infinite was hard because it the gameplay is is by far the worst of the series. Like, it it takes... I disagree. I think it, it takes, like, more modern understandings of shooters. Like, it plays more like a Call of Duty game than it does, like, Doom. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, Whereas no, that Bioshock 1 sense. plays, well, Bioshock plays like System Shock, which plays more like Doom, Doom than it yeah. would like a game like Call of Duty. Okay. So, like, it's different. I get that people are more into the Call of Duty sometimes. It's not really for me. Like, That's fair. In, in Bioshock Infinite, 
like especially if you're playing on 1999 mode which is my preferred difficulty you can take one bullet to break your shield and one bullet to kill you but in bioshock one and two you like it feels like duke nukem sometimes where you're just like murdering all the dudes Um, Uh, i'm a big fan of like catching grenades and throwing them back oh yeah uh when when all the elements in bioshock infinite work they work really well yeah, but i do. find that they don't align as well in that game so I, much i find it's the clearly biggest... a narrative game yeah oh for sure i've i always found the biggest problem in the gameplay is that i'm so so used to being underwater that i, I will get stuck and the thing like oh right up, up. <laughs> look up um happens to me all the time in that game but uh, i i get the the, the the gameplay gets tedious after a while. The like it's a lot of like hiding behind cover, peeking out, or like not maybe not hiding and peeking. Like you can no. still do it quickly, but using cover, shooting dudes in the head to get like a critical, and like getting less people yeah. on the board as quickly. Uh, but as the possible. like enter giant arena style space combat, many enemies repeat does like it's why I can't play them back to back to back, and I always try. Mm-hmm. I get halfway through two, I'm like I'm kind of exhausted. I'm yeah, kind of done. Enough. Uh, but I do really enjoy them all as separate games. Uh, and, like, the, just, I was in from the moment where, you're like, oh, there's a libertarian society, mm-hmm. and the end result is they're a bunch of, like, drug addicted genetic freaks. Yeah, I'm into this. Of course, that will, that's what would happen. And then, like, Columbia takes that, like, in the other direction where it's like, let's all be, like, super puritanical. Yeah. My, my biggest issue with that game, honestly, is, like, more from a flavor perspective, but it's like, why would that society need vigors or plasmids? Like, they don't use them. You don't see them in everyday life in that's the same true. way that you do in Rapture. So it just feels like they wanted to make Call of Duty and then they slapped on magic. Okay. Because I, I always read it as, like, it's rapture is a very specific snapshot where you see rapture is a very specific specific snapshot of it Mm -hmm. when that's pretty heavily i I always imagined vigors were new technology but you find them everywhere like there's already vending machines and stuff for them like like it's just incongruous did you ever play any of the dlc from infinite yeah i played it all yeah Yeah, so going back to rapture before the fall yeah that was, oh yeah, I did where there are for some reason skylines, which just like kills me every time. <laughs> <laughs> they're I, pneumo tubes. No, I, they're not. Pneumo. I really do like. I like the ending. I, it was exactly right. the ending I needed out of that. I didn't need it to be anything else. And like, like, what else are you gonna do? It. I like. I have a visceral response to that ending. Like, it. It makes the like. Uh, like my hair stand up and stuff. Like, I enjoy it, but I. It's always like a day later. I'm like. Ah. Maybe that wasn't that like it, like there's always there's always like a delayed bitterness that I have to it. So it, it, this reminds me of a podcast I got really into. There's like there's a collection of them. One of them is called The Black Tapes, which is really good for a while. One of them is called Tannis, which is trash. Uh, there's another one that I don't care about, but there's one called Rabbits, and Rabbits is really cool because it's a it's a unlike all the other ones where they try to like extend this interesting concept into a narrative that can't sustain it. It's one season, and there's like definitely an ending to it, right? And it's about this woman who is searching for her friend who is playing some like weird underground game that like it it works its way into this like reality bending weird shit, okay? Um, like like interdimensional weird shit. Uh, but it's it's cool, and like it ends in this really neat way, and. Uh, how i got onto that what were we talking about before that 
how much Eric thinks that the ending for Bioshock Infinite is garbage. Oh, no, yeah. it's Perfect. a delayed garbage. Uh, yeah. And it's then a the, garbage. But yeah, you, if you like pull at the threads too much, you're like, oh, well, no. Exactly. But, that's it, but you can't just don't do that. In the moment such. it works. But as soon as you start thinking yeah. about it. It's like the ring. Like the ring is only scary once because the only thing that's scary about it is that it goes from being really dark to really light. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, so it, it's like startling. It's not scary. You actually just gave a perfect setup to the thing we're gonna do the half episode about oh yeah that's my opinions on pulling threads and such do you want to just wrap it there sure is there nothing else you want to hit we could probably do another 10 if we get into the thing about like narrative adaptations it's going to be longer conversation do you want to just like do that in the next one like we can let's see if we can work it in i can come back like this works perfectly in my schedule (laughs) or um we could always do two half apps if you wanted to fill in some extra content yeah because that would be about a 15 or 20 minute conversation well why don't we wrap this one either way let's wrap up this episode eric thanks so much for joining us today thanks for having me um do you have a social media account that you want to plug i do uh i have a twitter account i primarily use it to like check in to beer on untapped but sometimes occasionally talk about books and occasionally talk about books we didn't even get to cormac mccarthy i know (laughs) uh you guys are gonna have to wait for that one but you can find me on twitter at at black hop down um black hop down yes all one word you're so you thought of that when you were 19 didn't you? i thought i when i made my twitter account when i was 23 that's literally the first thing that came to my mind Ugh. I <laughs> uh, fucking disgust me. Black Hop Down. We got a Black Hop Down. You can also find uh, my band on Bandcamp at and I the Arrow. And it's like it's a it's like it's a fucking Douglas Adams like collection of words. Just just I can't hold them in my head. It's that specific combination of words <laughs> that will just like dance around like fireflies in my brain, but never quite assemble in the right order. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for social media for me cool um you can find me at slingsbot uh paul uh i remain at igor zarubo everything for the show is at drink this pod we're quite well cross-branded you and i if you uh this has been drink this podcast if you want to reach out to us or jump into this conversation at some point if you're screaming at your radio or audio streaming device uh hit us up on any any social media we have uh, as a show is at drink this pod that includes instagram twitter and facebook you can also uh shoot us an email drink this at gmail.com or visit our website drink where you can also <laughs> find the other screaming doctrine studios shows that includes 30 years of dough and the alberta craft beer guide cast if you see a snapchat account or anything else of the like it's a ripoff it's not legit it is. Um, before we say goodbye, let's... We're important enough for anyone to... Right? <laughs> let's quickly wrap up with a little sad when it's over. Um, why doesn't Eric start? Uh, I just... fit Like, I recently reread the first two novels in Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive series and got a chance to read the third novel, the newest one that's been out for, I don't know, probably like eight months now, but I finally got a chance to read it. Um, and... For like for anybody who's unfamiliar with Sanderson's work, I like I'm unfamiliar with most of his body of works, but he's the guy that finished uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series, which I very much enjoyed, and I very much enjoyed them, especially after Sanderson took the reins. Um, the after s- Jordan died, okay, uh, which which is a terrible tragedy, but I, I enjoyed the way that Sanderson was able to wrap up his magnum opus. I should say <clears throat> uh, he did it justice. Um, Sanderson's earlier works from that include the Mistborn series, which are shorter than I would like them to be and not 
quite up my alley, but uh, the Stormlight Archives is his is his ability to jump into like a deep, long form high right. fantasy novel setting. If you like uh, lobsters and magic that's actually light and like swords that you can summon whenever you want this and a, a lot of huge moral problems. This is a lobster free zone. Okay, well, if you're not allergic to shellfish, uh, Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives is great. And the reason that I'm sad is because I just finished the third novel, so probably in five years, maybe I'll get a fourth. <laughs> Paul? Um, I'm going to take a slight twist to this because I'm now no longer sad that it's over. We may uh, get into uh, this and a half app or something. It'll be about something different, but um, there are a couple of very uh, lauded... Um, a lot of well-represented shows with like progressive diversity and representation baked into their core, which both got canceled and renewed in the past two weeks, uh, which are namely Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which aside from being about a bunch of cops is one of the best. Like They've tackled institutional racism and homophobia. That and show is awesome in its scope. and it's If humor. only for the fact that no cops are really like that, it would be like amazing. But uh, one of the better shows on TV and one of the only like two or three I'm actively following right now um, so they got canceled by Fox and NBC picked them up within like a day. Yay! Um, finally something you liked didn't get canceled. Right? This is a thing with me. Um, and the other one being The Expanse, which is what I'll probably be talking about potentially on a half app or something. Yeah. But um, also, like, given that it's written by uh, a pair of like straight white guys, um, they've done a really good job both within the books and uh, certainly on the, the TV show at having um, representation in particular just baked into every aspect of that. They made a point of saying like, don't just hire like go out and hire the best people even on the production end of it but like do a, a search to see if you can find somebody who's not white like we don't want everything here to be like try and be representative of the actual uh, diversity within the production community and not just default because it's easier to find white folk yeah. um and like somebody pointed out that of i think the like seven or eight female leads on the show five of them are women of color and of the ones who aren't one of them is a gay character <laughs> right and like they're just and it's not it's not a thing that they're like nobody's making a big deal out of the fact right. that it's just this is what society looks we like. We don't have to do an episode about the fact that they are gay. Yeah. Like it's just a fact the of is, the show. The character that one in particular was introduced in this current season, um, and it was the most low key thing. She's uh, comes in to help out somebody and then she calls back home to her wife <coughs> and her daughter and they talk about how they're sad that they're away and hopefully they'll be back soon. And that was it. And like yeah. So yeah. um I'm it took about a week and a half. But uh, I guess Amazon streaming picked them up, so most likely they will be around forever. Um, Amazon is the other monolith other yeah. than Google. Well, the thing being, um, much as I think that Jeff Bezos is kind of a monster, um, and whatever, that's a topic for another time, he's apparently a big fan of the show, and the man's worth like $140 billion. So if he, if he likes him he's enough... He's the George Soros of entertainment. He, he can keep that show going until it's done out of his own pocket if he wants to. <laughs> Indefinitely. <laughs> 900 seasons. Uh, so yeah, that was mine. Uh, cool, cool, cool. I think I'm gonna rock. Uh, so I've been like I've been trying to fill, like, clean up my podcast feed because it's a little crowded. I, mm. I like a lot of podcasts. People are like, oh, you should listen to this podcast, and then I try, and I I just can't do that. Uh, but one that I actually spent time revisiting uh, is a show called Uncivil, mm. uh, which is like a short. I think it's like seven or eight episode season of like underreported or under talked about 
facts about the Civil War and mm-hmm. like misconceptions about the Civil War in America. It's really fascinating. Very specific, but it sounds fascinating. Uh, and a lot of it, and I think like the 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 uncivil part is more focused around civil rights. Mm-hmm. But like it talks about women in the Civil War, like women who fought in the Civil War, and Civil War reenactors and their like pushback against women participating. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it's a really it's a really fascinating show. So uh, that'll be my my rec for that. And I want another season of it. Um, legitimately surprised that you're sad when it's over it wasn't your life because you're feeling old oh, wow <laughs> I don't oh, know that we man, want to have him he keeps cu- saying <laughs> that's cutting like I don't even I'll know what back, to say I'll come back it's, we want him back it's not even savage it's just mean <laughs> like I'm it's not even a burn I just he's just like he's just walk across the street to the raisin ranch and be like you're old Eric and I, like, we've hung out a few times. I, I, I considered us friends. I'm seeing a whole new side of him. He's right. the one that walked in today and was like, Eric makes me feel old. I, he makes me have an existential crisis. Welcome to Drink This Podcast. You make me feel old, too, but, and I'm not like, younger than Matt. To add some context, the death of Charles Manson gave me an existential crisis. I'm just kind of existentially broken. Um, like... That that my idea of my own cultural relevance is tied to a touchstone of a horrible monster of a man. Uh, is probably says terrible things about me. Um, but on it, that note, until next time, I have been Matt. I've been Paul. Eric. And we will drink with you again soon. This has been a production of Screaming Bats and Studios.